My name is Tiina Vaittinen and I'm a postdoctoral research fellow at Tampere University, Finland. I have recently started a new research project that maps the global political economy of adult incontinence pads. This means, quite humbly, that I seek to understand everything that happens around the everyday commodity of the so-called adult diapers. In this podcast then, I will seek to sort of leak silence truths about the incredible world of incontinence. This world is super, super interesting and we should all know more about it. The podcast is produced as sort of a side stream of my research. I will talk with a whole range of experts about all kinds of matters to do with incontinence, from experiences of living with the condition to what causes it and how it can be treated or even cured, to environmental concerns of waste management and questions of infrastructure to market outlooks in the global continent's product industry, to the super, super interesting developments that are taking place in the field of continent's technology. As a disclaimer, it really needs to be noted that I'm not a medical or health practitioner or medical or health expert. I'm just a social scientist. So although I will interview many health and medical experts in the show, the contents of the show should not be taken as medical advice. If you have problems with incontinence, please consult your doctor and please make sure that your doctor refers to the right kind of specialist so that you can get the right kind of help. So my research and therefore also this podcast are funded by the Academy of Finland and Conner Foundation and you will learn more about my research at www.patproject.online. If you know the Finnish language as well as English, please do check out also the sister show which is titled Vuotoja ja Ohivuotoja and do give feedback and subscribe to both at Spotify or iTunes. Hello, everybody. It's been a really, really long time since the last episode of Pat Leaks. And if anybody's been expecting new episodes, I'm really sorry for the long wait. I've been thoroughly occupied with a lot of a lot of stuff to do with actually doing the research, as well as obviously the endless funding applications and emails and so on and so on. And uh, actually pretty much a little bit depressed maybe with the with the covid situation i really miss working with people a lot and it's it's a long it's a research is always a lonely job but this has been lonelier than ever but you know it's hard for everybody and i hope you are all pulling through nicely and if we are a bit down i think we need to kind of maybe allow ourselves to be a little bit depressed and then maybe tomorrow is a better day but yeah today i'm in a studio. I just finished recording a Finnish 
version of the podcast or the finished podcast and episode for that on building elderly care homes and how in the construction industry how questions of of space and pads come into play i really hope that i will get a chance to do a bit similar episode in english as well because we had a really really interesting and intriguing discussion with a representative of a construction company and a few days ago I got the pleasure to record an episode with my good colleague and friend Dr. Christopher Chatterton who's also working in the project uh, doing bits and pieces. He's based in the UK and he's a medical sociologist and a bioethicist who has an interest in stigmatized health problems and particularly incontinence. He also has some lived experience of the condition and is really keen to break the taboo around the issue and we've been working on this project with Chris now for um, over a year and uh, quite recently an article came out in which Chris is one of the co-authors and this article came out in the journal Neurourology and Eurodynamics and this is a paper that seeks to standardize the terminology that we use of adult incontinence pads which are also sometimes called diapers which some people see that is a stigmatizing term but then As we discussed with Chris, sometimes then people who use the pads themselves might actually prefer the term diaper as well. So there there are various different controversies around the question that what should we call it? What is this thing? What is an appropriate, politically appropriate term for the product? And it is quite telling in many ways that when they sought to standardize the terminology that the name of the article is an international continent society report on the terminology for single use body worn absorbent incontinence products and as chris mentioned to me in our discussion it is really quite a mouthful isn't it but at the same time there really is a demand for this kind of document So we ended up talking about the article and and the terminology for incontinence products for I think over an hour. And uh, during the discussion I seemed to be we seemed to be almost like on opposing sides that that I was somehow seeking to critique this new article which was really not my purpose. So I think you need to bear that in mind as you listen to our discussion. But so, next, I think it's episode one, two. Is it episode three? Yes, it's episode three of Pat Leaks that features Dr. Christopher Chatterton. And the name of the episode is What to Call It. So, welcome everyone. This is the, oh, I don't know how many it. Uh, episode of Pat Leaks, uh, the uh, podcast on incontinence matters. And um, today I'm talking with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Christopher Chatterton, who's based in 
in the UK and he's also working in my project on on the global political economy of the adult incontinence pad. And uh, Chris is a medical sociologist and a bioethicist with an interest in stigmatized health problems and particularly incontinence. He also has lived experience on the condition and is really keen to break the taboo around the issue. And Chris has helped me so much in my research and has introduced me to various people and various issues that I should have a look at. And and, uh, yeah, I hope to work with him. We've only worked together for, I think, um, just over a year, but um, I really hope that our collaboration continues also to for a long, long future. Uh, but today we are going to talk about stigma, but we start the discussion on, on what to call it, namely the incontinence pad. Chris has been part of producing this International Continence Society report on the terminology for single-use body-worn absorbent incontinence products. I'm almost out of breath when I when I spell that out aloud. But he has been part of basically collating and writing this consensus document on what different incontinence products, different absorbent continence products should be called. It's published in Urology and Eurodynamics quite recently, and the other authors are Mandy Fader, Alan Cottenden, then there's Christopher Chatterton, then there's Helen Enquist, Sharon Eustace, Diane K. Newman, Joan Ostachkiewicz, Mary H. Palmer, Tara Wilson and Bernard Halen, just to recognize all of those who have contributed. So, but Chris, I was thinking I would kind of read out a few things from the article, but perhaps first you could tell us a little bit about this, what this consensus document really is and how it was collated, who participated, what was the method and so on. And why was it needed in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. And um, I'm really been enjoying working with you as well so it's uh, nice to um, have the opportunity to talk about this um, um, particular project a little bit yeah the international constant society and it was also later joined by the international standardization organization um, who were actually uh, working on a similar initiative um, yeah they wanted to come up with sort of standardized terms and terminology for what um, they it's a bit of a mouthful, the so-called single-use body-worn absorbent products. And um, in the end, we um, arranged, there was a committee. Can you, can you say what this mouthful actually refers to, single-use body-worn absorbent product? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, that's sort of, as you say, pads, uh, continence pads. Um, mm-hmm. So so they're, they're the, the ones that uh, people tend to, as they say, body worn, as opposed to sort of pads that you might put on a bed or on a chair. And obviously, there are multiple versions of uh, the, the, the basic um, concept product to absorb um, urine and, and or feces. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, the committee was sort of formed of sort of so-called 10, 10 expert members from four countries. It's it, because the ICS is, is, is an international organization, but it's based originally in Bristol in the UK. So there, there is a sort of UK centric feel to it. And it, what they basically did was develop and do some consultation work on an online questionnaire. And it was developed to give uh, interested parties and stakeholders the chance to comment on different um, terms and to express their preferences for a a range of um, offered alternative names. And then this was then 
we went through a few drafts to come up with the final questionnaire and then this was then advertised through the ICS membership and with members being very much encouraged to publicize this uh, questionnaire to um, a wider audience and through their own um, social networks and the actual online questionnaire went live in December 2016 and it ran open for anyone to put their comments on till March 2017. In the end um, I, I would say there's little bit of a disappointment with we we ended up with about 100 people replying to the questionnaire and that that was across 18 different countries um then so day, yeah so was the 100 people do you think it was very little or i, I was i was hoping because i mean the ics has i'm not sure the total membership with the ics but i i think it would have been nicer to get got a wider yeah, and actually, yeah. at this point, maybe we should also tell to the to the listeners what is ICS. So, who are the members? Um, so, International Continent Society is this kind of an um, international, I suppose, authority in matters to do with continent care, medical care for continent issues, and uh, the members are often health professionals and medical professionals say urologist, kind of urologist, gynecologists, physiotherapists, nurses, uh, and also some bioengineers. So it's this kind of a multidisciplinary professional organization for continence care. Is that, did I define it yeah. correctly? No, did no, no that, that, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, but it, it, yeah. it, it certainly started, I think it started out more sort of professional urologists originally, and, and it's expanded as um that they've gone on but yeah it sort of ends yeah. up being a sort of international arbiter for um a, a lot of the um sort of definitions for continents and, and, and wider issues and um, guidelines for varying treatments and everything and they've got quite yeah. a long, long history of um producing gum various um consensus documents and guidelines so this is um you know basically a continuation of, of the work they've been doing for many years so mm. Yeah, I mean, and also maybe then the like if you got like hundred answers to to what these products should be called and mostly members I suppose members of ICS so kind of professional community making definitional work for the possibly for for the professional community do you think or also in wider terms yeah I mean I I think that's a fair, fair um, assessment I mean I think they they re they genuinely went out to get as wide a viewpoint as possible, and I think it was encouraged to spread it to you know patient support groups and the wider community. But um, did you get answers from patient support groups? I'm not actually sure about the final data on that. Yeah, but, um, I think I think I was I I just realised that we could access the final the data as well, or at least parts of it through ICS, and I was but I didn't. I didn't have time to look at it before we, yeah. Right. yeah. I, I mean, so but anyway, I, I kind of, in, yeah, I in, interrupted you. So you said uh, that you were disappointed on the, on the number of. Yeah, it would, it would have been nicer to, 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 um, you know, get a bigger response. I think, I think it's quite interesting. We managed to get 18 countries. It was just sort of quite encouraging, but. Do you remember, do you remember which, those, like, which countries were involved? I think, again, I think. I think we, we, there is that we we discussed about the issue of the sort of and the fact that um, obviously you know the, the questionnaire was in English and it, it tended it tended to be by and large 
coming from sort of UK, Australia and and, and, the, and the USA. So, it, and I mean, we, we did, you know, obviously when I think when we, there was discussions about how can we broaden this, but obviously the ICS being an, it's a sort of international organisation and it was meant to be an international document. I, I English was chosen as the sort of mm. most appropriate language to work with, but, you know, we did And we can talk about the language a little bit more in a bit, actually. But anyway, yeah, so the questionnaire was completed by 100 people and the questionnaire was asking basically about terminology of what to call different kinds of continents, body-worn, observant continents products. And then after that... Uh, the question was completed by 100 people from 18 countries. And then what happened? Yeah, that then, well, once that initial, we came up with a draft, the data that we found, and then we, we actually put that to a open meeting at the ICS conference. They have a yearly conference. Of, mm-hmm. uh, and that was an open event. And it came up with sort of draft conclusions from that that data. And, and I think about, I think it was something like 12, people actually attended that event again it's again it's an expert oriented environment um and that was open to people to comment on and then obviously then from that they collated the data a bit further and came up with these the the consensus document basically came up with seven distinct product design categories yeah i think this is i think this is really you know when for instance when i started to do this research and basically i'm just mapping what's going on around adult incontinence pads but then of course when you enter the field you realize that oh my god there are so many different products and of course they have different names and then this consensus document now came up or not really came up but kind of defined chose the terms that which should be used for each different kinds of products and altogether there were seven different products that are basically body-worn observant pads pads yeah i mean yeah. interest the interesting thing um in a, in a sense, is is the expansion in the sort of public market for these products. So uh, actually, a lot of these products are actually quite new because they wanted to sort of expand. So particularly for men's products, I mean, for many years, a lot of the products were actually sort of unisex. And mm-hmm. obviously, with sort of commercialization and a lot of healthcare systems, obviously having to cut back on um, things like pad provisions so actually the the expansion in the commercial sector aimed at um, private consumers has expanded quite significantly and even you know obviously i have lived experience of, of using um pads and you know even in in the time that i i've been using them that you know the the markets have expanded the types of products available and but you know particularly to men and obviously there are you know anatomically men and women are differently uh, different and you know le- leakage is different and where it occurs so you know, there's been, as I said, the male pads and products uh, have, have sort of expanded a lot more, and um, and yeah, exactly. And there's there's companies always sort of wanted to come out with something a little bit different. And I know certainly the um, belted products were, you know, something that that was developed early on, but they've again they've expanded, and and then there's sort of the more traditional products. But I mean, um, yeah. But altogether, um, I can I can actually read out read out from the document. So this working group concluded that the seven product design categories should be called first pads. Then there are 
so pad is um hold on i'm gonna scroll down the document to so pad the defining features of a pad is a waterproof backed absorbent product that is held up in place using separate close fitting regular or specially designed underwear so this is a pad this is the first product then there are unbacked pads which are absorbent products without a waterproof backing used either inside another product such as like um, some bigger bigger product or on its own and when it's used on its own it needs to be secured using separate close fitting underwear which itself includes waterproofing in the pad area so this is different from the pad because it's it's not it's unpacked unpacked unbacked so it doesn't have this waterproof uh, material and then there are different male products for instance male pads which are waterproof backed absorbent products for men that are designed to cover the penis and scrotum and are held in place using separate close fitting regular or specially designed underwear then there are male pouches is that how you pronounce it yeah that's right. yeah 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 and those are water backed absorbent products for men fashioned into a pocket into which the penis and sometimes the scrotum too is placed they are held in place using separate close fitting underwear so really kind of these really detailed descriptions of what different products there are and how they should be called and, and what how the different layers should be called and so on and so on so and uh, then there are pull-on pads and all-in-ones which can sometimes also call be called wraparound pads and adult briefs and i will get back to these products uh, in a bit but yeah so a lot of different products which you wouldn't first of all you wouldn't know about the variety if you didn't somehow either live with the condition or work with it or if you're not don't have any sort of touch base for life with incontinence you wouldn't know about the whole variety of the products and for instance, actually, I didn't know about these male pouches before I read this article. Yeah, no, I, I think it's um, really interesting. I mean, I think the, the, the idea behind it, because there are so many different types of products now and there's so many different terms for it. I think the aim was to also sort of try and sort of streamline the, the, the language used, but, you know, as much to help carers and people living with a condition and, and uh, you know, healthcare professionals, because there's so mm -hmm. much confusion around it. You, you know, there's a tendency to <laughs> trying to compare different products like for like becomes difficult and you know even just talking about them and you know not not understanding what the other person's talking about and and you know that gets down to the the care that someone might be given or you know if, if they they're used to using a certain product or in the community one product's used or in a, in a hospital or care home something else is used or in mm. someone's private house so yeah i mean it's it's trying to make it easier and obviously companies themselves have different terms for it as well as the medical profession and of course obviously um patients and carers and individuals living with continents um in the community uh, obviously have their own um you know ways of talking about it so yeah it, it's, tr it's trying to simplify it and i mean you know it's not a perfect document if you do anything with consensus it's, it's never going to be yeah and i i think i think i kind of somehow see it as a also as beginning of discussion and or alternatively the way i read it is sometimes somehow reads as it's probably really really helpful for professionals on the field but whether these kinds of terminologies are actually 
taken into use in the lay in the sort of lay language because some of them are really quite mouthfuls and then for instance you can use the term pull on pad but then the term pull up is already infantilizing because it it refers to the kind of like children's type pull up diapers but then especially if english is not your first language pull up or pull on or which was it oh my god and now i don't know and now i don't actually know how to call this so i'm not going to talk about it at all so there was there i think there are kind of but yeah but i don't I, know i think it's, it's it's really good um it's a starting point i, I don't think anyone yeah. would, would say a, a, anything else on it and it's it's good in a way you know you know the, it's a conversation that's just begun and as you were saying it, it, it can get very um complex about what to use and if english isn't your first language then it becomes you know that much harder and you know yeah, even, I, I, even, I, I, even yeah. someone that is a native speaker i i, I I I slip and it's just it's it's a good it's a good starting point and it's a good thing that the issues are being raised and as you say there is that tendency to you know infantilize the products and it's 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 a it's a work in progress but I think I think yeah. it's, it was a useful exercise to do and 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 to sort of highlight some of the difficulties and and again as you said if you're not involved in the field it would be something that you probably wouldn't even consider uh, or think yeah. about and yeah. and i suppose also I'm, if I'm, when i'm thinking about the data that you received it's really in many ways quite limited in the sense that it's hundred responses and mostly from ics members probably so uh which is a rather expensive institution or association to actually be a member of so you wouldn't necessarily or probably didn't get possibly any responses from nurses who work in continence care in their day-to-day work on or or assistant nurses or so then I suppose the data on which this terminology is decided upon could be quite different as well oh yeah I mean but so, the fact the, the fact that the paper's now out there and ho- ho- hopefully um if you look online I think some other organizations started beginning to sort of comment on on aspects of it and hopefully um it's it's a good you know it's it's just it's, it's, it's a good starting point from which from which um you know debates can be um, sort of expanded on yeah i definitely yeah i think it's a wonderful starting point and also because it's kind of that you have the international standardization organization iso process side of this as well but then as it says in the in the document the the very search for the standardized terminology would be to facilitate understanding and communication among users, caregivers, clinicians, research, researchers, manufacturers and government agencies. And the kind of this brings terminology that is encouraged to be used. But then, of course, language has its own ways of developing and so on. Oh, yeah. I mean, l- yeah. language language is, is fluid and language never stays still. And um, yeah, I mean, and, and different communities and will use different language in different environments. So it's, um, I think, you know, I think we're probably going to go on a, a little bit, aren't we, to talk about stigma around continence yeah. issues and, yeah. anyway. And um, it, it's it's a sort of indicator of, you know, what are much wider issues around incontinence and um, the language used and, you know, the, the products and, the, and what you term the product. It, it's the tip of the iceberg around continence, incontinence issues and things. And um, It's kind of a tip of the iceberg, but at the same time, 
it's really underlying thing as well when it comes to the stigma. And we, we will go to the questions of stigma in a bit. And, and probably listeners have also realized that we have spoken partly in a language that is really hard to understand because we are avoiding certain terms. Yeah. So, uh, but we're not going to go into that yet. I've, I first want to dwell in a little bit about, because obviously I'm not a English, native English speaker and I don't live in an English speaking country. And uh, yet I'm trying to kind of understand the world of incontinence, both in English and in the international uh, biomedical world, while at the same time trying to figure out what's going on in Finland. And language is a key issue here, of course. Um and it seeps into a lot of different, lot of different fields that are really politicized and so on. But this document, which is basically an international authoritative recommendation of the language that we should use about different incontinence products, the document is in English, as we have mentioned. And all apart from one of the authors are from an English-speaking country. All the rest are from the UK, Australia, or the USA. This is partly and largely to do with the reason that ICS, even though, as with many professional and academic organizations, even though we say they are international organizations, they need to, they tend to be really Anglo-American. You can talk about uh, International Studies Association, International Sociology Association, whatever. They, they, there is the word international, but they tend to be very, very Anglo-American. And that's the case also with the ICS. And, you know, it's not, this is not a criticism of ICS. It's just how the world is organized at the moment. But yeah, uh, about the language issue. So about 100 people from 18 countries responded to this questionnaire. About a third of those who responded to the questionnaire on the basis of which these definitions were formed, declared their nationality was from the UK. So a third of the respondents were actually UK-based. So this is very not only English document, but also very UK-based document, even though it's international recommendations. And then a further third from were from other English-speaking countries. And uh, two-thirds of the respondents lived in Europe and around a quarter in North America and about 9% in Australasia. So that makes, hold on, it doesn't, so most of the respondents came from the so-called Western world. You mentioned that the question of language and translatability of this international consensus document was discussed in the group and cultural differences, but um, do you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, it, it was definitely touched on, but obviously as you as you were saying, because the nature of the ICS and and their sort of remit, it obviously you know also being a UK centric organisation with a sort of wider outreach. Obviously, a lot of the as you say, it's more of a technical document, um, and obviously science and medicine, the sort of English language t tends to be the one that uh, pe people use. So obviously, you know, we were aware of the limitations and that, that there was discussion about how we can, you know, potentially expand this to, you know, wider audiences and, and, and where, where English isn't um, the uh, f first language. But it, it, it was obviously we, we saw the limitations of this and there, obviously there was a limited time that we could actually run the questionnaire and um, obviously, you know, 
I think this was a good thing to put out there initially. But yeah, we we certainly understood that. Um, it was this the was this the first time that this kind of questionnaire, or this was the first attempt to do this kind of a standardization of language for for the projects. Yeah, I, I, I believe so. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, know, I know they've done obviously for there's been a sort of similar attempt done on you know identifying the different. Um, terms for the different types of incontinence so i think they've sort of had experience of that and obviously you know, the, the terms around that but yeah i think it was the first time and particularly i think in recent years because of the expansion in the, the markets and, and growth in need for continence products and then mm. that's a big tendency tendency to be you know expansion of the terms used and, and also the, as i mentioned you know the sort of particularly You only go back a few years. A lot of the products were mostly sort of institutional-led mm. type products, so they they were more probably um, utilitarian, for for a better word. And and they were, you know, a lot of the products were sort of unisex and and, and quite basic type products. But obviously, in the last few years, you know, technology, different uses of materials, you know, the growth in the private sector market the you know consumer market you know so was it so was it also kind a little bit that providing this sort of terminology would then so that at least the market actors wouldn't name their products in infantilizing ways or these kinds of motivations as well Yeah, that was very much. I mean, obviously, you know, the sort of adult diaper and mm. yeah, ter term, or um, you know, in the UK, there's the term nappy. You know, mm. There's a lot of lot of connotations with that, and it, it's still quite interesting because actually, if you look at the results, there there were um, I think it was four. Uh, there, was, there was something yes. that they, they you know they they still thought using. Yes, and I want to I want to actually read that out loud because um, hold on. Um... Yeah, because this is obviously also as a Finnish speaker, kind of there is something that really touches me about about this language question here, and uh, and in the sense that it doesn't necessarily make it easier for me in Finnish to try and come up with destigmatizing terms, and I will elaborate on on that in a little bit and that's definitely i absolutely do not want to criticize this is a really really important consensus document that is uh, produced and definitely a sort of basis for for discussions and and obviously the data was limited time was limited but this is the first time that something a document like this was produced so i think it's also a big beginning but because there is one word that we have avoided throughout this discussion today and that and you mentioned it just now adult diaper or nappy one of the obviously the destigmatizing attempts and um, interests in this document is that these terms can be really infantilizing or people can may feel that they are infantilizing in particular contexts especially if uh, say if a continence nurse uses such a language about something you need or comes to change your nappy. That's why we have spoken about body-worn, observant products that can be separated into different categories. So this um, question of infantilizing or childlike language is is key, or one of the key reasons in this document, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, it's a key factor, because you know, the number of times that 
the term adult diaper is in, you know, texts or, or people routinely. And obviously, I mean, I, I, I come at it with multiple um, hats on here. Obviously, mm. I, I come at it as being involved in the uh, document itself. And mm. obviously, the professionals have certainly tried to move away from using infantilizing terms, you know, to try and destigmatize. But then as a as a sociologist, I'm, you know, aware that obviously the professionals have their own communities to serve. And then obviously there's other issues. And I'm obviously interested in stigma. And and mm. sometimes and I think we'll go on to talk about this, about how actually calling something what it is may, may be actually a better approach than, than than trying to hide behind other language. But um Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. But I don't think I don't think there are like um Either or. So that this is what I find really interesting in this consensus document on the terminology for single-use body-worn body observant incontinence products is that while I think these recommendations are super, super important for people who work professionally on the field and they, you know, it's kind of a professional language that you need to learn. But whether we can expect all citizens to learn these terms and use them in the right way in the right context, I'm not sure if that is really doable. But going back to the to the word diaper, there are seven categories in this consensus document, seven categories of products. And I have a feeling that the most kind of infantilizing tendencies come with the bigger products that resemble, by looks, can resemble children's diapers and nappies. So pull-on pads or the all-in-ones or belted pads. So three different products that kind of, I felt that were sort of critical here. Because the smaller pads you would, and probably in, in many other languages as well than in, in English, for the smaller products, they wouldn't be called diapers. No, no, that, that was right. And, and yeah. you're absolutely right. The um, When we were having our discussions on this, and obviously there were drafts and things going backwards and forwards and discussions on this, that those were the, the ones that raised the more contentious um, issue. I mean, there was obviously, I mean, there's, there's, there are issues with pads because obviously there's the women and men, men, menstrual pads ah. and things. And, and, and obviously yes. so there, there is an added stigma also. For, for a male using a pad because pads yeah, obviously, and that, yeah and that's that, actually actually something that I yeah. I wanted to I was thinking about commenting as well that it was interesting that that there is uh, this sort of standard pad and then there is the male pad so whereas and and it kind of it's very telling of uh, the nature of incontinence that um, because usually when you have whatever product you have you have a standard version which is the male version usually. And then you have a female something. But when it comes to incontinence and pads, you have the standard pad, and then you need to name the male pad as male pad to make the distinction. So I think there are a lot of lot of um, sort of really interesting politics of language here in this document, which is of course because this is this is a document for medical professionals and and people working on the field. So obviously this. The, the things that I'm raising now are more sort of sociological and and uh, political questions, which don't have to be in the document like this. But I found it very, very interesting. But um, I think there's also a, a, is that difference between, you know, the, the, the pad, as you, as you were pointing out, the, the larger, more absorbent pads have tended to be seen um, 
as more as an institutional or, or med, almost medical product and, oh, you know, yeah. seen in terms of um, illness or, mm. you, you know, ageing. And, and, mm. and you, you know, the, the smaller pad for the, um, want of a better word, smaller leaks, you know, you mm. know, leaks can affect people. Small leaks can be just as traumatic as larger leaks. But I think there is that difference yeah. and there is that sort of institution as you said the medical boundaries and as you go up into the sort of more absorbent bigger products and obviously that with their connotations around um uh you, you know um childlike um products it's um it's there yeah, that when you actually start drilling into the issue there are mm. there are there are multiple layers involved in this there are now multiple issues that that mm. And unless you sort of end up in the field you, 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 and you don't realise the, the levels and, um, mm. and, 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 you know, la, la, at the end of the day, language does matter. And, and was there a feeling in the, cons- or the, in, the, in the committee who was writing this report, was there a sense that we can get rid of the word diaper when it comes to adult, adult incontinence pads? I think certainly... That people believe that we can actually just refuse to just refused to use the word, word diaper. There was certainly a feeling that definitely in any professional document or in any professional sort of more institutionalized or literature um, that, yeah. that, 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 that there was a desire to move away from that. And it's, it's not the first time. I mean, there's, there's actually um, mnemonics for identifying um, causes of incontinence and, and and the mnemonic is actually diapers so and, and mm. that, that that they've been moving away from that there's, there's been discussions uh, certainly with, with nursing um level about you know what what you call a product mm. and how how you treat someone with incontinence in the wider yeah. issue and yeah, yeah there, there, there's certainly i think there's there, there is that desire to move away from that terminology i think you know it's it's done dare I say it, maybe in a sort of patriarchal approach to it and not 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 potentially recognizing um the difficulties of coming up with a term that people actually don't understand and I mean you know as as someone with lived experience as well I mean mm. I don't necessarily want someone to refer to it as a diaper or a nappy mm. or, or what have you but at the same time I know sometimes it's very difficult to just you know when you're trying to explain what the product is, you know, to actually say, well, you know, it's it's like an you know an adult version of something that a child would use. So, you know, it, it does get very complicated. Yeah, it it definitely does. It definitely does. And then, but I I think it's a I personally think that it's a good good direction to move away away from the word in professional documents and in professional language. But then, I think. You need to look into the context before making judgments of people who use the language, because there can be several other reasons that. And also one of and this and this brings me back to the question of English language versus some other languages, for instance, because, for instance, the all in one. So it's the wraparound pad when in the question in the questionnaire regarding what we should call this kind of product, which is now. Uh, called all in one the online questionnaire revealed reveals revealed the diversity of views of what this category of product should be called and respondents from four countries favored the term diaper but many others were against the term because of its connotations to infants and then of course the 
English language document then took on from, but I was here, I mean, it doesn't say which country, which four countries these were, where the term diaper was preferred. But then I have a hunch that they might potentially come from countries where you don't have a native term in continents pad or all in one. So you just, you, in order to respond to the questionnaire, you would actually have to not use the terms that make sense in their own countries. And here, Finland is one example because, uh, of course, well, it, it's kind of is one example. In the professional language, the term inkontinenssisuoja is used. But the term incontinence itself, it's a borrowed term. So for lay people, it doesn't necessarily mean anything or it's a, they might not know what it means if you're not uh, trained in health profession or if you don't know about English language or if you don't live with the condition. So then the lay term, vaippa, is the only term that people actually understand immediately. Then if you have this, when if we would have to translate all these terms into Finnish, then that would mean that we end up not only medicalizing Finnish language, but then at the same time bringing in terms from other languages. And that's then really, really, really difficult to actually put into practice in other than professional jargon. If you follow what I mean, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's interesting because in in a way, the I mean, I I, you know, on a on a personal level, I um I so definitely think the sort of the wraparound one, I didn't know uh, as a term really, and I and obviously the all in one, having obviously bought packets of the products themselves, and it, it, there is that tendency to come up with a term when you're trying to sort of make it an international term. It always ends up being quite bland and nondescript, and I, I can totally. I mean, I often end up having to sort of mention, you know, you know, some people say, well, "What's a wraparound? What's an all-in-one?" And it, and it doesn't. It you end up having to then use the very terms sometimes that you're trying to avoid and say, "Well, exactly, well, it, yeah." It, 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 you know, it's like a diaper light product or a diaper yeah. style product, and yeah, and and then you end end up getting into sort of almost. A, um, your tongue twister about well, what do you call these terms and yeah. and 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 um you know a lot of people won't know what you're talking about so yeah. i it, it's i mean from the debates that we had and the discussions as you, as, you, as we said earlier that this was the more the most contentious area and i don't think there is actually an easy answer to it because yeah. um for a lot of people that, that the, the the diaper term is something that people can understand or you, you refer to a, you know it's like like an adult sized version of a you know product that a child might use and it, it's yeah it's it's a really interesting issue and, and and language and you know using terms and you know this goes beyond just the pad i mean you know the, so many times I've heard continence nurses often say to me, I'll talk to a patient and I'll use the word incontinence. And they say, oh, no, 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 I'm not incontinent. Um, but then then I'll ask them, well, do you leak a bit? And they say, oh, yeah, I do leak a bit. But, you mm. know, the, the, the term incontinence is medicalized. It come, comes from the medical field. And, and, it, and it, you know, again, you know, as we were talking about, you know, it there's a, carries a stigma. The term incontinence in itself is a stigmatizing term. So it's, um, you know, this is sort of, just the, 
be you know a wider issue around you know how how lay people you, you know use that term and yeah but then in in some contexts the term incontinence could also be kind of a more euphemistic term for for the trouble and all and that's kind of i'm thinking again like finnish context like incontinence in finnish is incontinency so it's directly borrowed from another language um, I suppose does it come from Latin or originally? Do you know? Yeah, I think it. I think it, yeah, it, that yeah. does originally. But it, yeah, it, it it is interesting that yeah. Uh, but then people wouldn't necessarily know what it means incontinency, what it means. But then you need to clarify that virtsantaiurosten karkailu, which means urine or fecal leakages, or not actually even leakages. It's like urine or fecal runnings is what would then make sense to people. I think this whole question, as you say, it's there are no easy answers, and then maybe there shouldn't be, because I think this it's the power of stigma that forces us to not to be quite sure what terms to use and which context, which is really, really, really important because you do it's such a stigmatizing condition and and sensitive issue, so you do need to all the time think like which terminology in this particular context respects the dignity of those who live with the condition but but there are there is no singular right answers like that the language that would suit to all contexts even though this kind of consensus document helps in professional circle circles and helps to standardize the language and maybe over time it will help in coming up with easier answers but then it's the stigma that forces us to think this so hard there is a risk that then we end up with no words that we dare to use and then we don't talk about the issue at all. Yeah, I think in talk, sort of late talking terms. about it is is absolutely key. And, uh, you know, that that's why I hope actually the single greatest thing from that document, I hope, is that, you know, it, it starts a conversation. Mm. It, it, and, and as you say, you say, it's all about the context and, you know, realising what people, particular people find comfortable and the terms to use. And, you know, there are... You know, in different environments, in different settings, different communities, you know, finding out what the term that's least, you know, offensive to people and and, and, and using terms that, and also terms that they understand. And as you say, you know, it tends to be a this is a sort of international, very much standardization document trying to come up with um, technical terms. But at the and same quite time, clinic, and quite you know, clinical, clinical terms. terms and, yeah. yeah. And it, but it, it was, but that would work in in different yeah different sort of clinical contexts and commercial contexts and and but then of course language lives its own life uh, in other contexts all the time. There's a tendency if you look at the pad manufacturers, you, you know, in aimed at hospitals, they may use the term incontinence, but if they're aiming at um, the uh, commercial se- sector or the public sector, they they would use something like bladder leakage or bladder weakness and and it, it, it's it, it's as you say the stigma around the condition is thus that anything that's associated with the issue is potentially stigmatizing so mm. there, there's a lot of you know tendency possibly you know to hide behind euphemisms for for, mm. for, for things oh, and try not to hurt people i think that's probably and i'll, I'll tell like a sort of personal story of this is that um, this research project um, is called 
the global political economy of the adult incontinence pad. And in, in the Finnish translation of the project name, I had to use the term vaippa, diaper, because otherwise people wouldn't understand what this research is about. So in Finnish, this is uh, about aikuisille suunnattujen vaippojen globaali poliittinen talous. So the global political economy of adult diapers is what I had to name this in Finnish so that the funders understand and people understand what this project is about. But then I had, in the beginning of the project, I really struggled. Okay, now it's that that word is in the name of the project. Uh, and then I put it in uh, square codes, quotes, like um, citation marks, the term vaippa. And in all my project information leaflets and, and uh, the website, I use the square quotes around the term by but as well as in the in English translation of like incontinence pad, i.e. adult and then square quotes diaper. And it was also because of I had heard that some people who use these products in Finland would find the term viper infantilizing. But then I got feedback from people who need incontinence products every day. First I got an email in English, and I'll read it to you in a bit. And I think this is a very, a really important perspective to the question of naming it. And uh, after the email that I will read in a bit, I also got a phone call. Well, I'll just read the email first, and then then I'll tell you about the finished part. But yeah, so basically, I had also in the project, I didn't quite know how to talk about this issue. And then I ended up using the square quotes, because I thought that it's the way that I manage not to hurt anybody. And this is the way that I will talk about these issues in a dignified manner. And then I got this email on 21st of June, 2020. The email was titled on the subject of the nomenclature for absorbent incontinence wear. Without any uh, greetings or anything, it just starts. As a person that must wear diapers every night, I reject the idea that the term diapers is infantilizing and PADS is in some way superior in usage. In point of fact, the origin of the use of the word diaper for incontinence products has nothing to do with babies, but with the fabric used most frequently to create the original cloth diapers. A diamond-gilted fabric was described as diapered, and cotton diaper was an excellent absorbent material, so the word diaper is not inherently linked to infants, but to absorbency. More to the point, the idea that the word diaper is something fruit of the poison tree entirely misses the point and actually reinforces the stigma. Even if you try to pick another word like pad, you're not fooling anyone. Everyone knows what it is and it's quintessentially the same garment that babies wear. Tiptoeing around the word diaper seeds the ground that an adult in such a garment is shameful so shameful we won't even admit what it really is and have to use alternative phrases. As though we are too ashamed to live in our own reality. As though a diaper is that which must never be spoken aloud. Please, and this is addressed to me, please do us all a favor and don't treat us like the infants you're claiming you're giving us the dignity to be separate from. I for one don't want to make pretend or act like I'm made of glass. If I'm going to overcome the stigma, even to myself, I have to meet the reality of what it is. The reality is that I have to wear a diaper to bed. 
that is what I live with. And um, I was... First, when I got this email, I was really ashamed. Oh, shit. Really, honestly, I tried... I was exactly what I was doing, tiptoeing around the stigma when I was thinking, what is the term that I can use of these products? And then having heard that diaper can be infantilizing, then I just refused to use it at all. But then hearing that this choice then was hurtful, I think it was really eye-opening to me in many ways. While at the same time, I kind of immediately also really totally agreed with the writer. This is a guy, uh, a man who wrote this letter from an English-speaking country. And uh, not long after this, I got a phone call in Finnish from somebody who in Finnish referred to himself as crippled. And he said that I've lived with these products all my life. And I don't really understand why you use the square quotes around the term bikepa. Uh, so again, very much the same question was raised. So in the end, after these two encounters, one over email and the other over, over a phone call, I ended up taking the square quotes off from the website when I mentioned the term diaper or diaper, or I think I did. I, I think I, I cleared it up throughout. And immediately I was like, well, did I do the right thing now either? So am I hurting somebody again when I'm using this term? Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's, it's really interesting because I'm sitting here thinking, um, you know, I've got my medical sociology hat, but then I've also got the my personal perspective. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a male and I'm someone that wears a pad every night as well. And, and uh, you know, I, I understand that perspective, where they're coming from. And I've come across, I think there's, there's a YouTube clip of a woman that's got continence issues and, and she makes much the same point and and i came across that a few years ago and was quite like you gosh you know it's almost like retaking the term it's it's, it's, it's similar i suppose in a way to how sort of racial terms are sometimes retaken by the people that are being racially abused and and you know taking it and used in the context that you know we're proud of that, that, that the term and, and, and things and but obviously i i have i have a different perspective and maybe if you've always lived with it, I'm, I'm someone that, that developed continence issues later in life. I still find that the diaper term or nappy term, I, I wouldn't like it used. Um, Do you think it's because it kind of refers to the, we've been talking with you a lot about transitions. Do you think it it is because it kind of reminds you of the transition from being a full adult in a sense? Or what is assumed to be the full adult? Yeah, no, no. It, it, yeah, it, it, it is about loss, I think, as well, and and loss of control, and and mm. it's often associated with maybe aging, and mm. you know, losing your cognitive abilities, mm. and and re, you know, returning to. Uh, I think Shakespeare talks about um, the seven ages of man, and and returning to a childlike state is is one of the last stages in um, life course. But then again, you know, I I have picked people up in conferences that have used the term diaper, mm. and I am during this consensus document. I I actually did point out to everyone that you know that, that they they were being very like you, very 
careful about the terms used, but I did point out that you know not everyone is as as, as offended as you might imagine, and I, I got quite a sort of <laughs> robust response, you know, to, to to say, well, yes, but type thing, and 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 mm. it's it, but you know, on a, on a very personal level, I, I don't like the term diaper and, and mm. or, or nappy, and yet you know it is very much context dependent. I've been in hospital and I've, I've had carers use the term mm. or, or, you know, nappy bag or, or, or things. Like that. And, and I, But I also think that in that sense, it, would, it shouldn't be imposed on you. Just like the term pat shouldn't be imposed on people who, who prefer. I, th- I think it's this email I just read. I think it's, it's really wonderfully written. It's just and it's exactly what you say about, about the political act of owning the word kind of refusing to see the condition as infantilizing whatever the product is called but at the same time i think any of these terms shouldn't be imposed on those who wear the products i think now i'm getting to what i wanted to say about the consensus document that even if we impose professionals to use professional language then perhaps those who wear the products should have a say how they want their products to be called in that everyday context where they encounter people. Do you think? No, no, no I, I do. I think it was very much a top-down exercise and it was very much a sort of institutional med- medical-led initiative. Um, yes, but maybe yeah. that's what it's needed for the professional, professional community. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, everyone knows that you know, there's, there's there's language and there's language and you know what's used on the street or mm. or, or what's used in everyday language is mm. um you know often very different i mean i know that the continence nurses and the doctors struggle with the issue of you know the terms around incontinence a lot of uh, lay people don't you know recognize the term and yeah and and then we come to the problems that if professionals struggle with the terminology and they don't know what terms to use the professionals end up not asking and here i think where is also a really important like policy point of why we need standardized terminology for health professionals because if they don't know what kind of language to use and if they feel that, oh, my God, I don't know if I use this term or this term, or I might just not talk about it at all. And then that actually leads to situations where care is not provided because health professionals don't ask. There's a fascinating parallel debate that's been going on um, in the UK around the NHS website recently mm-hmm. changed. And they, again, it's related to this um, terms like urine, defecation, feces and they overnight they switched um one of the in, um online and things to say more more terms that they thought people would understand so overnight it suddenly became if you need a wee or if you need a poo and <laughs> and what happened was some of the newspapers in the uk actually took this up as and they they turned it around as a um criticism of the nhs dumbing down and and actually the nhs digital guys involved in this actually came back and said well the the lady commented well actually we actually took this quite seriously and when we we actually did some little bit of focus group work and and i think there was issues around 
other things, things like pee and poo and, and actually um, recognition software. Sometimes if you say we, you know, it's obviously got two meanings and, and, and um, you know, that it was an attempt to make it more accessible. And some of the newspapers say, well, it's, you know, dumbing down the language. So, so you, you know, I think there is a great deal of actual effort that does go in to try and make it as, as accessible. You know, in, you know, life, you wouldn't necessarily say, as, as a layperson, oh, you know, I'm just going going off for uh, to urinate or urination. You, you, you know, they they are more technical terms. Or and uh, I think I think I want to start using that. I'm just going to go and urinate. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah it's time it, for def my morning defecation. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's uh, you know, I, you know, on a on a personal level, I struggle because I obviously know the very technical terms for it, but then sometimes. If I'm in my patient mode, or I want someone to realise how how it is a personal issue to me, and if I said, you know, incontinence, maybe you know people wouldn't understand or, or realise that I am a patient, and it it's embarrassing. And you know, if you say you wet yourself and it's awful, it, it, there's so many. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, obviously I can use the technical terms, but I don't always use that. And if I'm trying to get across how hard it is to live with i will often use more colloquial terms and yeah it's 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 really i mean again it goes back to this whole issue of stigma you know the fact that we're having this conversation the fact that we're doing this blog it just reflects the 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 issues around it you know if, if it was a fairly value-free issue and and didn't have any wider um connotations it you know it'd probably be easier and it, it just just this just all goes back and reflects the taboo nature the embarrassment the stigma you know what to say what not to say i mean obviously in life there's, there's multiple <laughs> areas for embarrassment and stigma and shame and 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 you know incontinence is, is one of them but the, you know as you said there's what the wider conditions a few years ago you know you couldn't talk about breast cancer in the uk or you couldn't talk about bowel cancer and you know yeah. th th things change and you know things around sexual health you know things that are of a taboo nature, the language around them, you know, gets complex and these things complicated. I mean, I think the key message is, is I think what we, we've talked about before is about context. It's about making people feel comfortable. It's about accessibility. And, you know, people can use the language that they that they understand or they're more familiar with. Yeah, it's, it just certainly goes back to the whole thing. You realize that the stigma and shame and embarrassment around the condition makes it, you know, hard, hard to talk about and then as you say the key issue is is really not to not talk about it or not to get too you know panicky about what to use but but you know you know the language can, can make it difficult and and the key to breaking the stigma in my view is is, is to talk about it more openly and yeah and, and i and i suppose yeah. when it comes to um I think, again, like professional language is different. There needs to be standardized terminologies that, first of all, that professionals understand one another. And uh, maybe for, for, for purposes of language of science, continence science, basic science. But then I suppose one of the key things is also in the interaction to maybe ask what are the terms that you are comfortable with, depending on the situation, of course. I'm thinking even like when... when health professionals interact with patients or or their clients first of all obviously if the structures are such that there is a kind of continuation of that care relationship that you learn to 
know your patient and you learn to know your client, then you learn to understand the kind of terminologies that they are comfortable with and which they prefer. But maybe they can also be asked directly, what do you want me to call this product? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think there's a, um, it's quite interesting about the, the whole thing on talking to uh, people about it, because I, I know I've talked to professionals and, and they're, they're, they admit there is that tendency, particularly maybe with the physicians, to be more like, well, if um, I don't ask and, and, you know, the pact of don't ask, don't tell, you know, there, there's that. Um, but yeah, there needs to be and more. Of course, and of course, sometimes, you, you know, especially when dealing with cognitively impaired patients such as people with dementia obviously then it's not verbal messages but then you need to learn your patient and your client and the care recipient maybe know some of their backgrounds i think this is also not only a question of what is your native language but i think a lot of questions of class come in for instance as well and that again has an impact on what sort of terminologies and lay language are you are you comfortable with if you come from really sort of elite positions of higher class maybe you are totally ashamed of using terms that talk directly about the issue but then maybe if you come from like uh, working with a working class background, maybe you will find it elitist and medicalizing and all that if you if you use terms such as incontinence on questions that are about leakage to you and that are very much about bodily issues of. And I I, th- I think there's an important point also with um, it, it it's like the hierarchies and things and it's quite interesting, the, you know the sort of carers on the ground or the or, um. Yeah, the language used there because they're having maybe to deal or, or, or you know, people with lived experience. Mm-hmm. If you're having to deal with it on a personal level, either as a carer or a caree mm-hmm. um, or, or, or someone managing the condition yourself, that that then the language is more fluid and more open to you know using terms that, you know, you use, you know, in, 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 in more everyday Mm, yeah and of course and of course the class background of the carer as well depending on what they are comfortable with and and yeah 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 i mean you know again it's you know sort of personal experience on 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 this and and i've always had the attitude that it takes a lot to sort of offend me and i know if it's done in 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 a way that's not trying to in any way embarrass or make you feel undignified you know i i'm fairly comfortable with all sorts of terms for it and you know, even within our family, my, I, you know, I have a young son, and and, it, and and we've had these these debates about you know what to call them and and uh, the products or you know diapers and nappies or you know it's like well, daddy, that's what it is. You know, I, I'm seeing it as that product, so it, it it's a very you know, there's quite a lot of nuanced debates around it, and so in certain contexts maybe you will be offended, in other contexts it's you know say it like it is and so yeah it's it's i sometimes i end up getting twisted in this and i'm not sure sometimes how, what i feel about it and um yeah it, it just it illustrates again how how, how complex it is and how yeah. it's very context dependent and you know different environments you know that's the way someone says it to you you, you, you mm. know i've i've been in a consultation and out of nowhere someone's asked uh, a medic's asked me about pads and because we were having a conversation not entirely related to that and it's like whoa where's that come from you know so it's a fascinating you know and again an under explored area 
and it just sort of goes to the heart of the issues. I, I yeah, think. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of it really does boil down to the stigma. It was interesting, by the way, that in the consensus document, stigma wasn't. I don't think it was mentioned. No, I don't. I don't think. Oh, I yeah. think it was, all, all it was alluded to in terms of um, infantilization, of child, yeah, yeah. childlike. And this is also something that at some point it would be interesting to, and there probably is a sociological literature on on why being infantilized is stigmatizing. I think there is something really interesting going on there as well. But kind of to wrap up, I always would like to finish on positive notes. We talked a lot about the trouble of using the right terms and and finding the right terminology. So I suppose one of the key things that I would want to take home from this podcast or deliver to the listeners is even if the language feels troublesome and even if you feel that you don't have the right words, Still, let's talk about incontinence, let's talk about fecal leakages, let's talk about urine leakages, because only that way can we can actually start dismantling the stigma that makes it so difficult to speak about. And another, I was also thinking about the power of stigma. We can think about it in positive ways as well, in the sense that because the stigma is so powerful that in incontinence that it avoids us doing many things and it it forces us not to speak about the matter and so on. But that also means that there's a lot of political turbulence there, that once you actually start talking about those issues and once you start dismantling the stigma, when that power tension comes down, a lot of really amazing things can follow. Do you, do you follow what I yeah, no, I, I'm trying I, I to mean, say. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It's so powerful that we can use this power to turn it into something positive, but just kind of fighting the stigma. Yeah, well, the key is silence is the worst thing that that, that we we can yeah. do around this, and, and and not. Although sometimes maybe it's helpful for individuals to 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 have the right to, to silence. To you now about this, but I, if, yeah. if I was down the pub or. Um, yeah. You know, you got going going to talk to people that I I don't want them to know about my issue, and I and why, why should I? It's a yeah. private matter. So yeah. no, but no, as a society, I yeah, think. as a so- society, to be more open about it. Yeah, I don't know what are the key issues that you would want to <laughs> want to take home with the podcast. I mean, I think it, the paper was a good start, and I think the fact that we're we're having this discussion and talking about it is. Is the key in realizing that there are multiple viewpoints, multiple perspectives, and 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 to you know you know as you say, not just recognize the professional or the Eurocentric, uh, UK centric, um, and realize that you know <laughs> that language is very different in different contexts and countries and in and, and worldwide, and and to recognize that we need to be um, you know obviously aware of that and. You know, realise that this isn't the end of the process. But, no, but, quite you, the opposite. But, but, quite the exactly, quite the opposite. You, you know, for me, it, it's a good document because it it um, starts a debate. And, and exactly. if, if people are going to talk, it, about it, start, it, it starts the debate, but it also starts to standardise. And I think it's really helpful, particularly for health professionals. So, if you are a health professional and listening, and if you are working on this field, do go and read. It's in the Journal of Neurourology and Eurodynamics, the article is called An International Continent Society Report on the Terminology for Single-Use Body-Worn Absorbent Incontinence Products. So for professional language, absolutely, it's a really wonderful, 
wonderful starting point. And and once we have a standardization document, I suppose we need to start following those standards while at the same time respecting the right of people who wear these products to call them whatever they like. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 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 that's right. No, I think the, yeah. the, and, and the, also follow that and kind of in, in particular contexts to use that language that they prefer. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's just pointing out the issues around around the terms and and obviously the ICS has done you know similar work and I think I think you, sort of, you can look at it through the ICS website as well and 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 again they've got other standardisation documents and you know realizing that theirs is a you know, fairly narrow remit but as you say it, it's it's a good I, I hope it goes a little bit beyond you know the the professional thing and and to start you know con- wider conversations about you know continents as a whole and issues of language use and I, I know there are other, other articles and debates around you know you know as, as we mentioned you know what to call incontinence in itself and um it, it, this you know again feeds into this whole thing about talking about the issue you know what what language to use and um yeah it's yeah as you say it's a, it should always be a positive uh, perspective and for, for me you know it wasn't perfect, the consensus document, but I think it was never intended to be. It's, it's tended to open up a debate and to try and come up with terms that at least come up with sort of basic terms that people can recognise and maybe start to use more, but realise that, you know, language is rich and that, um, you know, whatever people mm. are comfortable with and whatever. And it was a long to... process as well. It took a lot of time to get it together. And it was also something that, you know, you need to bring this process to an end. Yeah, uh, with the data you had, so yeah, and also yeah. we're joining in with the uh, ISO as well, and um, that that sort of extended the time to um, c- finally come up with something. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 certainly you know, I'm I'm sure it'll be revisited in the future, and um, and as, as you say, it's it's should, people should be that you know within in um, you know, use language that they're they're most comfortable with and that's helpful. So yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Chris, for for joining me in this podcast. My pleasure. Yeah. Let's carry on doing <laughs> the work. Yeah. And uh, let's ta- continue talking about these issues uh, in whatever language, in whatever register of language. Just talk about incontinence. Then that's the way we get rid of the stigma. All right. Bye.